Willows, it's Ruin Willow, and you are listening to the How oh, Fuck Yeah with Ruin Willow podcast. I'm excited you're here today. I have an amazing person to share with you. She is a sex therapist, sex educator, certified intimacy coach. Her name is Molly Carter, and her website is yourbestsexualself.com. She talks about sex like the weather, a natural and normal part of life. You should check out her website. She has amazing help on there for people, a lot of good advice. Do you want better sex? Well, she's got all the details for you, all the help. And she's also on YouTube. And she does a, something called a seven-day communication challenge, which you can join. I'm going to read a short story of hers as well. It is a threesome story. And you should stick around after the story for our interview. We talk about 13 sex myths, and we explore all of them. Molly teaches on all of these. It's really amazing. So on my podcast, I talk about all things related to sex and sexuality, talking to experts like Molly Carter and erotica author interviews, anybody and anything to do with sex. I'm all about that, including erotica mine and others. Okay, so I'm going to get started with Molly's story, and then we will move on to the interview portion of this podcast episode. If you're under 18, it is time to leave the podcast now. This is not for you. This is for adults only. By Molly Carter, Threesome Erotica, The Booty Call, Part 1, Anya. A threesome erotica story told in three parts. Part 1, Anya. She was surprised when Case answered on the second ring. Hey, Anya. His cadence was slow and drawn out. You good? Yeah, she stuttered a bit. Still shocked, he'd answered. Yeah, of course, I, uh... Anya, have you been drinking? She could hear the smile in his voice. No, well... Yeah, I have, but I'm not smashed or anything. I just wanted to see what you were up to and see if... She trailed off, no longer as sure of herself as she was at one forty-five when she'd left the bar and walked to the bus stop. <laughs> Case chuckled. Anya, are you booty calling me? She felt her cheeks flush. No, of course not. I mean, if you weren't busy or anything, I thought I might come over or something, but no, I'm not booty calling you. Of course not. <laughs> Case's chuckle had turned into a full-out laugh. Sure sounds like a booty call to me. Don't get me wrong. I'd love to see you. But there's someone. Actually, hold on a minute, okay? No, Case, never mind. You're obviously not interested. I shouldn't have called. Anya? He said, his voice no longer filled with laughter. Wait just a minute. I'll be right back. He didn't wait for her answer, but instead covered the phone with his hand. She could hear him talking to someone else and felt like a fool. Thirty seconds later, he was back on the line. Come over. I've got company, but we're just hanging out. Where are you? Do you need a ride? Are you sure? I don't want to intrude or anything. I'm positive. 
Do you need me to come pick you up? No, I'm at the bus stop on Fort, the one by the bank. No need to come out. I can Uber over. Cool. See you in a few. I'll fix you a drink. Still on the seven and seven kick? She smiled, surprised he remembered. Yep. See you in a few. Ten minutes later, Anya stood outside a small Cape Cod that sat on a quiet street a few blocks from downtown. She fiddled with her shirt, smoothing it over the top of her jeans, wondering if she looked a mess. She'd been crushing on Case. Hard. For a few months, and this was the first time she'd had enough liquid courage to do anything about it. But doesn't it figure that the only time in her life she actually booty-called a man? He had company. At least he'd invited her over for a few drinks with the guys. It was a step in the right direction. She reapplied her lip gloss, gave herself one more quick pep talk, and knocked on the door. Case opened it almost immediately, and Anya was struck by his appearance. His hair was ruffled, and he was bare down to a pair of dark gray sweatpants that hung low on his hips, low enough to know he was naked beneath. Hey, he said with his killer smile, pulling the door wider to allow her in. Glad you made it safe. Case reached for her jacket, and as he walked to hang it on the coat stand, Anya found herself staring at dimples on his lower back. And when he turned back to her, she blushed. Go get comfortable in the living room. Danny's in there. I'll go get your drink. He nodded to the door down the hallway. Anya smiled in response and walked down the hall. When she reached the doorway, she stopped short. Danny was not a man. No, she was a dark brunette who was sitting cross-legged on Case's sofa, brawless in a thin white tank and a pair of sleeping shorts. Hi, the woman waved. You must be Anya. It's nice to meet you. Case had some really good things to say about you. Unsure what to do, Anya continued to stand in the doorway. Hi, she swallowed. You're Danny? The woman nodded. Sure am. Come sit, she said, patting the couch beside her. Uncomfortable, but with few other options, Anya crossed the room and sat as far as she could from the other woman. She folded her hands in her lap and started stammering. I'm sorry I interrupted. I didn't realize Case had company. She smiled. No worries. Danny lifted a glass of wine to her lips and took a drink. The way I figure, the more the merrier, she said with a wink. Anya gave a nervous laugh. <laughs> um, not really knowing what the woman was talking about. And when Case walked in a moment later, handing her a drink, she sighed in relief. So what were you up to tonight? He asked as he pulled the chair out from under his desk and wheeled it next to her before sitting down. He stretched out his legs and they were so near hers it made Anya's breath catch. She stared in her drink. Not much. Went out with a few folks from work, but then everyone went home and I was still up, so... So you decided to booty call me? <laughs> he laughed and gave her a nudge. Her head shot up and... She kicked him. Shut up. I wasn't booty calling you. You totally were. He teased her with a smile and a jab in the leg with his foot. How much did you have to drink? He asked, nodding toward the cup in her hand. 
Now it was her turn to laugh. <laughs> Not enough to deal with the fact that I apparently booty called a dude with a girlfriend. Anya turned toward Danny. I'm so sorry. I didn't know Case was dating anyone. I would never cut in on another woman's m Danny held up a hand to quiet Anya. It's okay, and girlfriend is definitely too much of a term. Case and I, we've known each other a long time. She paused to give him a flirty glance. And he's so damn cute. How could you not booty call him if you thought he was available? I mean, come the fuck on. Look at that chest. Case's eyes smoldered and he scooted his chair forward. So it settled in front of the couch between Anya and Danny. You like my chest, do you? <laughs> Danny giggled. Damn right I do. She reached out and trailed a finger between his pecs and over the ridges of his stomach. And that happy trail. Without looking over, she added, What about you, Anya? What do you think about Case's chest? What do you think about Case's chest? Clearly intruding, Anya went to stand. Um, you know what? I'm going to head out, call a cab. Danny, it was night. She stopped talking when Danny's hand reached out for hers. Wait, her eyes focusing on Anya's. Danny squeezed Anya's hand, then threaded her fingers through hers. Stay. Anya looked at her, her brain struggling to figure out what was going on. She watched Danny's chest rise and fall with a quickened breath, then felt Case's hand on the back of her thigh, his heat radiating through her jeans. She took a look at him and saw him looking at her with the same passionate gaze he was just giving Danny. If you're comfortable, we'd love you to stay. Anya looked back and forth between them. Her brain may have trouble figuring out what was going on, but her body didn't. She could feel her arousal growing. Her nipples were tight. Her heart was racing, and her pussy was begging her to stay. Danny moved closer and drew Anya's hand to her lips, a chaste kiss to the back of the hand, then a more intimate kiss to the palm that caused Anya's breath to catch. Taking that as a green light, Danny pulled the tip of Anya's finger between her lips and running her tongue along it, sucked it into her mouth. <gasps> Anya gasped, and Case's hand squeezed her thigh. It took her a moment to tear her eyes away from the woman in front of her, but then her eyes fell to Case, who was closer than she realized. He looked at her, his face serious. I'd love for you to stay. He dropped his head to her waist and moved his face against her. As if having a will of its own, her hand moved to the back of his head and threaded into his hair. He spoke into her skin. Will you stay, Anya? Her head began to nod without her even realizing it. When she finally spoke, her voice was ragged. Yes, I'll stay. Okay, woo, that was hot. And I will put the link down in the podcast notes so you can read part two, where things get even hotter. You can read part two of Molly's story, The Threesome Story. Ooh, very, very hot and sexy. Okay, are you ready? We're going to talk to Molly Carter. 
And she's got so many amazing things to say. And we're going to dispel some sexual myths. We talk about all things with sex and we just have a blast chatting. So I hope you stick around for the interview. Hello, everyone. I'm so excited you're here. I have an amazing guest. We're going to learn so much about sex from her because she has like 10 years of experience writing about sex. Woohoo! And she does all kinds of different things. She's a sex blogger, a writer, a sex educator, and a certified intimacy coach. She also writes erotica and she's on Twitter as Molly C. Writer, Instagram, Your Best Sexual Self, which I believe is the name of her book and on Facebook, Your Best Sexual Self and a YouTube channel. And she does something amazing called the seven day communication challenge. So I am so excited to introduce you to Molly Carter and welcome Molly. I'm so excited to talk with you. Yes. Thank you. Thank you for that wonderful introduction. I'm excited to get started. Okay. So how I'm just trying, okay. I'm going to start with my icebreaker question because I love to ask everyone this question because I just think it's fun to talk about what's your favorite sexual position and why? Oh goodness. I know it's Um, a really hard question, isn't it? Or just pick one that you really like. A favorite is kind of a hard thing to pick. I would probably say doggy. It's probably my go-to position, I would say. And I like it because control can like movement and the control of the, of the, of the action can be either partner and can rotate Mm -hmm. back and forth easily compared to um, some of the other more traditional positions. That's a good point. Yeah. And I am so amazed how many people say doggy. It is so common. You know, I usually talk to people that have no issues with sex. You know, they like sex. They want, they write about sex. They, so, so many people say doggy. It really blows my mind. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So it hits all the right spots, right? (laughs) Right, right. And like you said, it's it's kind of variable. You can, you can change it up and there's different things you can add in, or you can be on all fours. You can be flat. You can be on the edge of a bed. I mean, there's just a lot of variation. Right, right. Okay. So let's start off by talking about your seven day intimate communication challenge. Tell me about that. Yeah. So when I started my official sex coaching business, I was doing market research and I was my ideal client, right? Is somebody who has a good relationship and they have a decent sex life and they just want to take it to the next level. But that person also doesn't have a lot of urgency, right? They're not, Mm -hmm. um, they're not really driven for change. A lot of them are afraid Mm -hmm. because we've all, most of us have had, you know, sex slumps in our relationship. And if so, Mm -hmm. if things are going good, people don't want to rock the boat in the, in the, they don't want to take the risk of making it better in fear that it'll get worse. And as I was talking to people through various stages, right. I I talk to people all the time. uh, One of the things that repeatedly came up is they don't know how to talk to their partner. They they don't know how to say things to, to, you know, and, and be comfortable and confident saying them. They don't want to, you know, hurt their, their partner's ego or make their partner think that they're not enjoying what's happening. So so much of what I do in sex coaching, a lot of times comes down to communication. So I did just this, have this brief free opt-in, right? And uh, it goes through the basics of how to talk about sex with your partner, how to how to communicate intimately, right? In a way that's not harmful and and looks to enhance a situation instead of talk about what makes it bad. Uh, and so, yeah, I just, right? 
it's not um, it's not my favorite thing to talk about with people, but it's so <laughs> vitally important. So it's yeah. kind of a you know an all encompassing thing that can give people the foundation that they need to really start enhancing their sex life. Right. And I, I think that is so needed. And I think that's so true. And people don't want to offend. Like you said, if things are going well, they don't want to rock the boat. I totally get that. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you know, that's, that's a scary thing. So how do people sign up for this if they want to try it? Yeah. Oh goodness. I should have that link handy. It, you can find it on my website, which is yourbestsexualself.com. And then is, I think the URL is backslash seven dash day dash challenge. Okay. And I'll put the link down in the podcast notes so people can easily access that. Awesome. And we were talking right before we started the interview about sex myths. I would love to hear what you have to say about that. Yeah. Yeah. So, right. We all, we have myths about everything. We have things that we believe to be true about everything. And that's very true with sex. And a lot of it comes from society, from movies, from books, from, from what we see in the media to religion and what religion tells us to, you know, I'll call it campfire talk, right? Like just, <laughs> just gossip. Yeah. And these things, when it comes to our sex life, because people have such a hang up talking about sex, these myths perpetrate maybe more than they do in other areas. And, and they mm-hmm. can be super detrimental. Um, and right, there's, there's a ton of them. The most, the most common one that I, that I often deal with is that like sex is defined as penis and vagina, right? right. Sex is right. intercourse. And if you don't have intercourse, then you didn't have sex. And that's such a limiting definition, right? Oh yeah, totally. I laugh because some of the people that have, that I know that have the best sex lives, like penetrative sex is so little of what they do, you know, it's <laughs> right. like not yep. even on the radar. <laughs> right. Which is opposite of what most people assume or think. Yeah. yeah. And right. When we, when we focus on, on, on the penetration, not only are we limiting in like gender and sexuality, but we're also mm-hmm. limiting in ability. And, you know, if, if dysfunction happens, then we're just, oh, sex is gone. Right. Right. And that doesn't have to be how, that's not how it is. It doesn't have to be that way. But if you believe that to be true, then of course that's going to manifest in your life. Right. And how Um, devastating that. How devastating. Yeah. Yeah. We'll be back after a quick break. This episode is brought to you by the Spring Cleaning Champions, Manscaped. This season, make sure the man in your life grooms his carpets and his drapes with the leaders in below-the-waist grooming. Have him clear out that winter bush with Manscaped's Lawnmower 5.0 and watch his confidence bloom like the springtime flowers. Embrace the season and have him join the 10 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with our special offer. Go to manscaped.com and use code RUIN. You have to use my new code RUIN, R-U-A-N, for the 20% off and free shipping. Have you ever been doing some oral pleasure and got some hairs in your mouth or your teeth? Well, <laughs> Manscaped can help with that. Try being clean-shaven for spring cleaning after he uses Manscaped. 
You can say, hmm, let's get some busy with some spring fever in the bedroom. Try out Lawnmower 5.0 Ultra. It is an amazing trimmer that features two interchangeable heads, one for taking a little off the top and the new foil blade to go smooth. If you want to go smooth for spring cleaning, make sure you try out Manscaped products. Bring on those smooth skin sexy slaps in the bedroom. And how do you do that? Use Manscaped products to shave clean down in your pubic area. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code RUIN. You have to use my new code RUIN, R-U-A-N, all caps at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping with code RUIN at manscaped.com. Nothing like a little spring cleaning in his pants, right? In your pants if you're a man. <laughs> spring clean your groin area. Try smooth. Try it with Manscaped. Right. And that's for men and women. That's for people, you know, with disabilities, spinal injuries, mm-hmm. it, go, it goes on and on. Yep. So, that, so that's a big one for me, because I think when we can open up that definition of sex, that's where that's when we stop focusing on the ins and outs and start focusing on like the exploration, you right. know, um, and erogenous zones. I mean, it, it was yeah. only penetrative sex, completely ignore all the erogenous zones. Right, right. And, and like one in five women would actually have an orgasm. Oh, exactly. Um, and I think that is a huge myth in the world that people think that women should come from penetrative sex only and that it's G-spot and there's no clit involved. And so that's a huge one, I find. Right, right. And yeah, really, as a sex coach, it's it's a hard one to overcome because, well, because you're dealing with adults who have believed this is how it's supposed to look their entire life. Here it was Freud that we have to thank for that. Yeah. Right. Right. Um, And, uh, you know, uh, but it's totally doable, you know, but it's, Mm -hmm. that's, that's a big one. And that's like an overarching one. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And and, yeah, another big, uh, another big myth is that great sex happens naturally, right? That if if you Mm -hmm. really like somebody and you have good chemistry, that it's going to be fireworks. And and that's just not the case, right? Right. Sex is people, a lot of people don't realize that sex is a skill. You're not going to go on the basketball for the first time, you know, and, (laughs) and think you're going to be Michael Jordan out there. Right. Um, So yeah, that can be encouraging though, to people think that I can learn something. I can learn to do better. Oh yeah. Yeah. And a lot of what I do is actually skill. I had to laugh because when I started, when I started getting clients in my sex coaching, my mom, my mom asked me one day, she's like, do you watch people have sex? I'm like, no, mom, no, we're close. Um, that's not what I do. People do that. Amen to the right. people who do that. Yeah. But, you know, sex skills can be learned and it's important to learn sex skills. And the people that who are good at sex have taken time to learn skills, whether mm-hmm. that's through YouTube or books or hands-on experience with a partner or communication is very clear. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, nobody goes in there knowing what to do, right? Because every partner is different and every yes. person, every body and every human is different. Mm-hmm. And so when we assume that we don't have to hone these skills in or try something new with a new partner, then we're just assuming that things are going to work out and right, they work out in bad sex. <laughs> right. <laughs> And that's just a bad thing. And that just kind of perpetuates badness. Mm-hmm. Well, and, you know, people, people who have bad sex lose their libidos because it's not yes. fun. 
Exactly. Always when I talk to people too, and I hear people say like, oh, my partner doesn't have sex. And I'm like, or doesn't want to have sex. I'm like, that's probably because they're not coming. They're not getting that pleasure. So why would they want to have it? I mean, other than to, to help pleasure their partner, but they're not getting anything out of it. They're not much. That's probably why. Yeah. Right. And you can only do it for your partner enthusiastically for so long. Right. Right. And then, and then it becomes a chore and then your partner's like, oh, this, this isn't any fun for me either. You know, then it becomes duty, duty sex. And that's, yeah. Yeah. That's a recipe for a sexless marriage. Right. Right. So, yeah. So sex skills. So, so being open, I mean, sex educator for 10 years, I have been studying sex for over 25 years and like, I still study sex. I still, you know, like, I tried something new last night, you know, like that's part of, if you want to be an expert in anything, that's part of your responsibility, right? Is yeah, to, yeah. to continue to get better and, and, you know, be creative and find new things. So I think that's an area too, where a lot of people just miss out, even people who have decent sex lives, you know, who mm-hmm. are, who are yeah. passionate, but they're just not exploratory. They're not trying new things. And right. that's, that's what good sex is. Like the people who have the best sex are always exploring. I gave a work blowjob workshop a couple of weeks ago and was like, you should never give the same blowjob twice. Like it should, you know, <laughs> it should always be different. It should, you should be exploring. You should be trying new things. You should be touching new areas and new ways because that's what keeps it exciting, you know? Yeah. And that's a very intriguing thing to say, because I mean, how, you know, people might need ideas or tools for how do I do it different every time? Like, I right. don't know, you know? Yeah. And, and really, I mean, th- there are lots of tools and there are, you know, even sign up for my blowjob workshop, anybody, if you're interested, but there's, you know, there's also, I have lots of techniques on my website, but so much of it is just like the mindset of coming into, to, to make the, well, especially with blowjobs. I was talking to a friend yesterday who was in my workshop and she said, my biggest takeaway was that I need to make it my own, right? I need to, Mm. I need to find my joy in it. I need to make the experience, Mm -hmm. my experience and not focus on my partner so much so that I'm finding pleasure in it. And then right? The, the more aroused you are, the more aroused he, like, it's just, uh, you know, it's an upward spiral. Yeah. But, you know, when it comes to, especially when it comes to oral sex, I think that so many of us think that there's a road map that we're supposed to follow and what it's supposed to look like. And that's not always pleasurable for both people. So, yeah. um, you know, find your own pleasure in it. And, and then you're more open to that exploration or the, oh, I want to, you know, what happens when I do this? And um, right. being, you know, the, the, again, it's the mindset so much. Yeah. And I think, you know, while I think porn is actually a good tool, I think sometimes it gives people the wrong idea. They think, oh, I need to do it like this or like how she did yeah. it or he did yeah. it in that video. And then we just get all like, you know, overwhelmed or flustered or be like, I can't do that, yeah. you know, instead of it being like you said. So yeah, that's yeah, good I, ideas. I'm a huge fan of porn too. Tell people when they talk to me about porn, right? You have to understand it's entertainment, not education. Yes, yes. Although it can be entertaining, but it still is entertainment and it, you can't yeah. compare it to real life. Right. And that's what I tell people too. You know, yes, you can learn from it, but that doesn't mean that's all there is or that it's accurate even. And it's, yeah, it's entertainment, yeah. pure and simple. And that's actually one of my myths here is that sex should look a certain way like we see in the mm, movies or on yeah. porn. You know, the simul from from even the movies that aren't that are, you know, sensual, but not pornographic to Mm -hmm. full out porn. Like, that's not what it looks like. It can look like that, but it doesn't have to. And it's not necessarily supposed to look like that for you. Right. Uh, You know, I have a lot of people, a lot of people. One of the biggest questions I get asked a lot is like, am I normal? Right. Mm -hmm. Like, there is no normal. 
There is no right. normal. Right, right, right. <laughs> and, right. That needs to be nailed into people's heads. There is no normal. Yeah. Especially, and especially when it comes to sex, sex has so many influences, right? It's influenced by so many parts of our lives and like there, there is no normal. Everybody, you know, if deep down, I believe everybody's a little kinky if they enjoy sex, right? Everybody right. has a little bit of a, a thing that they like that they think is deviant, <laughs> you know, Right. Yep. <laughs> but I always, I'm not, you know, in the BDSM world, we say, you know, safe, sane and consensual. So mm-hmm. if, if it's a, if it hits those three checks, like you're good. It doesn't matter what right. you want. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. But that needs to be addressed and communication is key. Otherwise it's, mm-hmm. yeah. Yep. Oh, another, another real popular myth, especially because I deal with people in primarily in long-term relationships is that sex okay. is always, sex is always better at the beginning of a relationship. Mm. And I will say sex is easier at the beginning of a relationship. Mm, um, but if sex doesn't get better as your relationship matures, then chances are you're doing something not to the best your uh, the capability that's there, you know? Makes sense. Yeah. And you know, a lot of, a lot of that sex at the beginning is hormonal, right? It's new. So mm-hmm. you're flooded with all sure. the, all the good hormone, all the good, you know, neurotransmitters and whatnot. But as, as a relationship matures, your partner learns your body, you learn your partner's body. Uh, you should be able, you know, in an ideal situation, if that communication is open, you know, you, you learn to explore together, you learn new things together that make, you know, to take one and one from two to three. You know, so I think, and I think what happens with this is it allows us to settle. We think that things are never going to be as good as in the beginning because it was new. And so therefore when things start to slack, we're like, oh, well, that's what happens. Right. And one of the biggest things, if, you know, if, 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 if your listeners take anything away from this, I hope it's that don't settle, don't settle for less. Because then next time you're going to settle for less than that. And then suddenly you're going to be in have a sex life that you're bored with that is, is leading to dire consequences in whatever way that it manifests, you know, it could be, it could be just a dead bedroom. You know, it can, it can be affairs. It can be resentment and just tension. So don't settle for less. Like if, when things start dwindling, find, seek new ways to make it exciting because your sex life can grow with your relationship, like can, and, and that people do have that happen. It just takes effort and dedication. Yeah, I think that gives I think that gives people a lot of hope. I feel like a lot of people end up in that situation where they're like, well, my partner doesn't want to have sex with me anymore. And they just think that's all they can do. Mm-hmm. You know, they hit a wall. I'm like, well, now what? You know? Yeah. 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 And you know, once once there is a like a dead bedroom, you know, what's it's a sexless marriage, which isn't which isn't no sex, right? A sexless marriage, I think, is defined as like once every 30 days or less. Okay. You know, people I talk to, I send, I see a lot more struggle at like the six to eight week mark, but like, you know, you can come back from that, but it does, you know, it's, it's always easier to, so I used to teach yoga before COVID. Right. And, and Mm -hmm. I have students that would like have something sore and like, they'd wait to address it until it was Uh interfering with their life. Right. And I'm Uh like, yo, if if you talk to me about your shoulder, when your shoulder (laughs) first starts acting up, we can work on that. Like, and it's going to be much easier to support (laughs) it than rebuild it, you know? Yeah, Yeah. And it's the same with your relationship. So not waiting, you know, and it's more than you know, the solution, because, because we're uncomfortable talking about sex, the solution, yeah. you know, is that one partner has a higher libido. And so they're, in a sense, they can feel like nagging to the partner with right. the low libido, you know, uh-huh. and yep. just, 
the way we're not taught to, to deal with this. We're not taught how to deal with problems in our relationships. No, and, we're not. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the way we deal with other problems, like we can't deal with them the way we do other things. And when we do, it just makes them worse, you know? So yeah, it's a sensitive you know, area, so, you know, yeah. it's, per- it's so personal, intimate. I mean, it's our very most personal selves, you know? Yeah. 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 And, and we don't like, you know, I laugh because, well, I don't laugh, but yeah, you know, clients will say, I could never say that, say things to me. And I could never say that to my partner. Like you have right. to say that to your partner. You're, you know, I'm, yes. I'm essentially a stranger and I get, I'm, I'm safe, you know, mm-hmm. but right. Right. Uh, like people, it, it's scary. I've been there, you know, I've been there. So I understand how scary it is. And one thing that happens is right. Once, once people are there and they're afraid to talk to their partner. So they, so these other behaviors start, right. They start seeking whatever it is they need in other places. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, right. And then it's, it's this, it's this catalyst that, that often a lot of times is that catalyst that transforms relationships, right? Yeah. Affairs mm-hmm. can, can really heal relationships in a not necessarily so healthy way, but because it, because people were afraid to talk. So it's like, you know, if you just could have found a way to communicate that wasn't that where your partner didn't feel attacked and, and found a way to help support your partner and what they needed, right. then, you know, you wouldn't have had to have this negative catalyst of whatever it is, you know? Right. Exactly. That makes perfect sense. I mean, yeah. why let it go to the extreme where it's the hardest to overcome? Yeah. And we it let that, make any yeah. sense, but yeah. we do and, that. Yeah. Well, and we do that because that's what we're, we're told. That's what happens. Mm-hmm. You know, there's like the jokes of when, when I did my blowjob workshop, a friend of mine sent me a joke to open with, and it was, um, you know, a man finds a genie and he gets one wish and he's like, I wish for peace on earth. And the genie's like, there's never been peace on earth. And he's <laughs> like, well, I've been married for 15 years. Can I, I wish that my wife would give me a blowjob, right? And the genie was like, let's talk about that piece on earth again. Like, <laughs> right. like there's this joke, right? There's the, <laughs> the, when you get married, you, you're what you stop having said, like, and so we yeah. just let it happen because we're told that's what happens. Right. Which is um, sad. Yes, it is. It is. And that's, um, that's the place that we should be most exploring and it doesn't always go that way. And yeah, we have preconceived notions. So yeah. yeah. And another one of these, my next myth here is, is along these same lines that sex is for young people. Right. That once, yeah, but when, again, once you're married, once you hit menopause, once you're retired, like sex doesn't happen. And if that were the case, the villages wouldn't have so much STDs as they do. Um, <laughs> right. I know. <laughs> you know, I see now the problem here again comes to communication when we, so again, sex is easier in our youth at the beginning of our relationships, mm-hmm. sometimes, not always, but sometimes. Right. And these other things, marriage, you know, children, they they put barriers in our way that we have to learn to work around. Mm -hmm. Same with, same with menopause and middle age, right? Vaginal dryness, lack of libido. Women have trouble reaching orgasms. Men start struggling with ED. It's easy to just be like, this is what happens. I'm done. It's over now. Yeah. Part of my life's over, but it doesn't have to be right. It doesn't have to be even with those barriers. There's ways to overcome them, but it has, but again, you have, it's, it's a skill that must be worked on. Uh, And Again, because we have this expectation that this is just what happens, it happens and people are like, okay. And our medical system doesn't support it very well. No. You know, doctors are not, doctors aren't taught to to talk to people about sex. And so there's like one solution, you know, you get a little blue pill and if that doesn't make your dick hard, then sorry, you know. Right. I mean, their approach is, okay, here's, here's a medicine. Yeah. You know, ignoring all the other potential things that could make it better. Here, take this pill. Which yeah, doesn't do anything for libido. No, you know, half the men, a lot of people don't know that. I don't want to just say half the men because I'm sure it's the same with women. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have talked to lots of men who have low libido and they get Viagra and they're like, I took it and nothing happened. Right. Uh, did you rub your cock? Did you try and have sex? <laughs> and they're like, no, 
It's not, it's not, it's not a mind pill. It's a dick pill. <laughs> right. Exactly. It's physio- physiological. It's not an emotional yeah. pill. Yeah. There's no such thing as an emotional pill. Yeah. Um, and you know, like there's a huge, um, so, so your, your listeners might not know, but testosterone obviously has a huge impact on, and both men and women's and yep. everybody in between's, um, libido, like testosterone is a, a huge thing of what makes us horny mm-hmm. and cortisol hormone release when we're stressed out, like cortisol and testosterone can't both be high for long periods of time. Mm. So for those of so many of us live in chronic stress, so many of us, especially now, you mm-hmm. know, yeah, two years yeah. into all this craziness and, yep. and the ups and downs and the emotional roller coasters, like we all have high levels of cortisol, which make, which naturally reduces your testosterone levels. And, um, and then, and then, and then you know, put on our normal, our normal life shit, our kids, our work, our mm-hmm. aging parents, our mortgage, our, you know, all of the things. And, yeah, and so, you know, if, if you're experiencing low libido, you know, that like there are reasons and it's, <laughs> and there are things we can do about that. You know, there are ways to lower our cortisol, yoga, working out, you know, all sorts of things. But when we're not told these things and people don't, you know, we don't know, we don't know, we don't, people don't know the way stress impacts their libido. Really interesting. I talked with a sexologist recently who told me that studies are showing that people are having less sex right now. And you know what? It probably is due to COVID. I mean, that makes perfect sense. What you just said, the people are overall having less sex. Well, look at what we've been going through. Yeah. On top of all the other stuff you just mentioned. Yeah. We've been dealing with this very scary, I don't know, blanket that fell on our world, you know? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And we've, so many of us have gone through loss, you know, loss of, yes. loss yeah. of our homes, loss of our, our, our family and our friends, our community, you know, all of it loss all over the place. Like, yes. um, and, and so, yeah, for the, for all, for everybody out there, who's like, man, I just, you know, I, I'm not feeling it. Like there's a reason. And what's sad is that sex is a great burner, burner of cortisol. Not only mm. are you a little physically active, but the oxytocin, but I'm a little bit of a brain geek. So <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Oxytocin like eats up cortisol. So, you okay. know, if you can, so, and, and some people have even experienced that like in, in a day-to-day stressor, like sometimes, you know, if something happens, you're like, oh, well, I guess I should, I should speak from the eye point. I shouldn't necessarily assume all people do that, but like I've used stress, <laughs> sex or masturbation as a stress reliever. I was just going to say masturbation too. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's a, there's a reason for daily sex and masturbation right there. Yep. But then even, you know, when we're extra stressed out, when that stress is, is constant, you know, like I can tell you, I used, I don't masturbate nearly as much as I, I did pre COVID. Mm-hmm. And again, various reasons, not only, not only, as, as there's a stress level, my kids are home more, partners mm. home more, you know, there's uh-huh. less alone yeah. time. Right. Um, so yeah, it's like the COVID's had a huge impact on people's sex life. It makes me think we're going to have a reverse baby boom. Yeah, we might, COVID. right? We might. Yeah. That's kind of scary. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's going to affect like the worldwide population, you know, like, I mean, I know we're talking about, you know, overpopulation and all this, but still that's pretty scary to think that that's a potential because people are having less sex, you know? Yep. Yep. Like the repercussions are just like so widespread of this. It's just, it's almost terrifying. Yeah. Yeah. And we're so hung up on sex, right? Nobody's talking about it. Not within the relationships, not outside right. of it. Yeah. Right. And it has changed everyone's relationships. If more people are together more, like they're mm-hmm. working from home, all of a sudden they're together more and that is going to impact your relationship as well. I mean, just all these variables. I mean, everywhere I turn, there's another variable affecting yeah. sex. Yep. Yeah. So, so my next myth is that great sex is spontaneous. Mm. 
And this is, this is, you know, this is iffy because spontaneous sex can be great sex and spontaneous sex is fun, but I, I, and you know, scheduling sex comes with all the burdens that scheduling sex comes with. Um, And so, you know, well, as a sex coach, it goes back and forth, depending on who I'm working with, like what my Mm. recommendation is, you know, for some people like Tuesdays and and Saturdays work really well, you know, Mm -hmm. and it's just routine. But for the people who are like, the way I try and frame it is that you have to, for spontaneous sex to happen, you have to be having sex regularly. Right. True. And if you're not having sex regularly, spontaneous sex is not going to happen for various reasons. Right. right? It's Mm -hmm. not on your mind. You're likely not prepared, right? Whether that's Mm -hmm. hygienically or emotionally or whatever, right? Like if you're not making space for it. Yeah. And then you're just like, what are you talking about? We don't, we don't just randomly have sex when, when right. the there's just a shock or taken aback. Like what? Yeah. yeah. But if you are having regular sex, you are more likely to be emotionally and physically prepared for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you are, you have sex on your mind. So it's easier for your, your arousal to build because your arousal has been up and down. And you're also more likely to look for the opportunities for that spontaneity. If you're, if you don't having sex regularly and suddenly you find yourself with an afternoon at home without the kids, you're not going to mm-hmm. be like, oh, let's go have sex. That's not even well, going right. to be, you're not mm-hmm. looking for that opportunity. Sure. So for people who aren't having a lot of sex, instead of taking this idea that, oh, we have to have spontaneous sex and that's the only authentic sex that I like, like put it in a time frame, right? I'm not necessarily saying mark it on your calendar, but like make sure you're having sex like my husband and I don't schedule sex, but if we go three, four days without having sex, one of us is going to be like, yo, yo, what, like, <laughs> tonight's the night. Like, yeah, are you yeah. free at 10? Hey, um, hey you. <laughs> yeah. You know, so what happens when we're not having sex is we let that space build. Right. And, and sure. so you don't have to schedule it per se, but you need to like still make sure you're having it. If you want to have mm-hmm. that spontaneity. Sure. Makes perfect sense. Yeah, I say I have three kids. So if I <laughs> if I relied on spontaneous sex, I, I wouldn't have gotten laid since 2012. <laughs> right. Um, another one I have is, and I think this this one is getting busted, right? I think I think we're doing really well as we move forward in society and how we approach sex. I think this one is starting to get busted, but I still hear this one more often than I'd like, and it's that masturbation is abnormal. Yes. Uh, yes. And, talk and, about that. Yeah. Like masturbation is abnormal in the fact that I do it or masturbation is abnormal in that I'm married and I'll have sex with my husband anytime, but he still masturbates. That's not normal. Yeah, it is. Right. <laughs> yes, yes, yeah. yes. Go. <laughs> uh, yeah. I had, I had a, a girlfriend one time reach out and she was, you know, about sex and her relationship. And through our conversation, I, I casually asked if she masturbates or maybe I even asked how, how often she masturbates. Like, mm. I, I don't even think I asked when, and she like got real quiet and, you know, ended up telling me and then said like, never, like we were 38, you know, she's like, I've never, I've never admitted to anyone that I masturbate. And oh. I'm just like, girl, girl you got to get over that. Like, yes. I'm not telling you to go flash the world, but like, <laughs> it's okay that you masturbate. It's okay. Yes. Like, it's normal. Yeah. And if you want to have good sex, you probably need to be masturbating. Yes. Um, it's it's such an integral part of our stress relief, right? Yes. Um, and learning how we get off, learning learning what feels good to our bodies, learning how oh, we absolutely. like to be touched. And uh, yeah, I, you know, I there, there's like the joke that you know, seventy percent of people masturbate, thirty percent lie. <laughs> but I, 
don't know if that's true, right? I think there are people out there who don't uh, or who, you know, maybe have, but, you know, have religious guilt or something with it and just yeah, sadly, have that's cut a it out from the life. huge thing for a lot of people. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I also have, you know, I had a couple clients who one partner gets mad that the other partner masturbates. And, and that's kind of, you know, like your masturbation is not a side chick. Like that's, that's right. self-care and understanding yes. that that's self-care I think is important and that it's right. nothing against right. a partner, you know. It doesn't even mean that they're not sexually satisfied by their partner. I think some people think that like, oh, I don't satisfy him or her sexually. So they're going to go do that on their own. Yeah. Yeah. And that's not, you know, sometimes it might be that sometimes it, sure. a lot of times it's not right. A lot of times it's just, right. it's something that somebody has been doing their entire life with themselves, you mm-hmm. know? Yep. On that same note, I, you know, I also encourage all people to masturbate together. I think mutual masturbation is sure highly underutilized sexual activity. <laughs> Oh, I think so too, because people just, they just don't think that that is, some people may not think that's sexy, you know? Yeah. yeah. Right. Um, I wish more men, something I honestly, like I was something I wish more women would do, right? Even, even in this, what we think sex should look like, the amount of women who would tell me they masturbate weird, right? Why mm-hmm. masturbate weird? Just because your legs aren't spread with your hand between them on your back, like they show you on porn, doesn't mean that your masturbation habits are weird, you know? Right. right. Um, yes. Lot, like lots of men don't know women, a lot of women masturbate on their bellies or mm-hmm, like with sure. something between their legs, you know, like mm-hmm. that's all normal and whatever works for you. Uh, you know, again, we have this expectation of what it is and that's not what it is. So, right. And some people are grinders. They're not, yeah. hand, they grind on things. Yep. They may not even use their hands, you know? Yep. Yeah. And I think sex toys are a huge tool for this kind of thing, for masturbation, learning your body and you know, you can use them. They're just so versatile. Use them yourself. Use them so with your partner. Oh my gosh. There's such an enhancement. They're not a deterrent. Such an enhancement. And and some people have a real hang up with this. It's yes, do. Yeah. They, and they have this, when I start out any, any workshop I do, any course I teach, any coaching, se- coaching package I sell, like it starts with forget everything you think you know about sex. <laughs> right. Yeah, I used to do a yoga <laughs> class. It was the same way. Forget everything you think you know about down dog, right? We're going right, to start from, right. we're going to build this up. But that's, sure. you know, I want it to be natural or my partner, you know, I'm not man enough because I'm not like, let go of your fucking ego. Like, yes, it is. I mean, like I'll use myself for an example. I, I have chests full of sex toys. Um, <laughs> I love it. And I, you know, I have, there's some that are always on both sides of my bed. Sure. Um, and, you know, I bet, probably more than half of my, my intercourse, my sex, whether it's intercourse or not, half of least half of my sex involves sex toys. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. you know, it's especially for women who have elusive orgasms. Right. Yeah. And sex toys can help men, like when your partner has, you know, if they're, if they're not lasting as long as they'd like, like sex toys mm-hmm. offer a solution. Yes. They're um, a tool. They're a tool. They're not they're the enemy. Tool. Yeah. And you know, I even, um, like for women who, you know, uh, the research is back and forth and, and the consensus of what to do. But like when I have, when I work with women who struggle to orgasm, mm-hmm. like I have them introduce vibrators. Um, yes. You know, some people, some people don't because they want them to learn naturally, you, you know, but right. you know, and it, that's here nor there. Right. But like, you know, I had, especially, especially women or people with vulvas that have like a heavily hooded clit, like, yes, you might not, you might not have ever had a lot of sensation, you know? Sure. Um, and, it's, uh, I have found that the more frequent you can make 
you can, you know, that you can have orgasms, the, well, you can, you know, there's orgasm control. You can gain orgasm control and learn, Mm -hmm. take those skills from using a vibrator and then learn how to use them in other ways. Right. So, right. Right. I think um, that's a good point. I think people, women especially need to learn how to orgasm. Yes. Yes. It's not as natural as it is for men. Right. Right. Um, especially for, for women, like, you know, some of us are squirters. Some of us have learned that technique. Some, for mm-hmm. some, it happens naturally. And that can be when you're, especially when you're young, like that can be like, what the hell just happened? Right. And, you know, you get, um, you know, you have one partner with a bad reaction and that can, oh, that can hurt yeah. for a long time. Yes. Um, like what's and, wrong uh, with you? What's that? Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, right. We don't, I was actually, so I have two kids who have recently gone through middle school health and where they did their mm. sex ed. Oh, sure. Um, so we had, and of course, I'm, I mean, there's like, my kids have, I have dildos and vaginal <laughs> props that I use for videos. So that my, they know my, about, right? <laughs> yes. They have an idea probably of more than most 14 year olds about uh-huh. sexual anatomy and such. I have a full size golden clitoris that sits on my desk. Um, <laughs> I love it. And, uh, but this was the, you know, like, like their sex education at least talks about it. like clitoris was part of their, their vocabulary, Ooh, you know, that did not happen when I was in school. Oh, me neither. No way. No mm-hmm. mention of that. But that's about that's about as progressive as it got. <laughs> um, but <laughs> well, at least it's I, you know, there now. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. So understanding those toys, understanding that different, you know, that they're that just because one vibrator you know, doesn't work for you, that right. you know, everybody with Sex in the City, you know, fifteen years ago, the rabbit got got all all sorts of promo, mm-hmm. like you sure. know, that's a great vibrator for some for some people with vulvas, for some it's not. You know, right? Exactly, um, exactly. No, they were all different. I mean, people with vulvas are going to like different amounts of pressure. Yeah. Yeah. Even, you know, the, they have these new clit suckers. Womanizer makes one, I think. Lilo oh yeah. I've heard about one. that. Yeah. They seem to do now some, some women don't like them at all, obviously, but first mm-hmm. I've, I've heard a lot of people who have really struggled. They can help them reach, achieve orgasm easier. Okay. Um, so I have not tried the womanizer yet. I keep yeah. hearing about that though. Yeah, I have one. It's lovely. The latest one I've tried that I really like is the Zumio. Oh, I haven't heard. I haven't tried that one. Oh, I like it. It's very, very targeted. Yeah. But I've also learned how to use it more general by laying it flat instead of Mm -hmm. coming in with the point. You know what I mean? So you can, it can be used in more than one way because they really talk about being pinpointed and, you know, which it is, it's very intense pinpoint pressure, but you can use it. So that's another point. Just because you have a sex, it doesn't mean you have to use it the way it was intended. You can play around with it. Oh yeah. Yeah. And like, I'm a, I'm a big fan of, um, it's not the Hitachi, it's the Vibratex now, the Vibratex wand, the magic wand. Um, and right. So, and you know, I, I used to laugh when, when I was blogging under, under a pseudonym, um, which is very different, obviously, than blog than the blogging I do now. <laughs> right, right, yes. <laughs> but I had had a friend who was like, "But it's so ugly and clunky," and I was like, "It has a cult following for a reason." <laughs> uh, exactly. But what happens is it's crazy strong, right? And like, if you have the original, yes. it doesn't have a, it's it's on or off. Like, use washcloths, right? Like, play around, find different sure. things. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Use it. Or lay you know. it on the side. You don't have to yep. be directly on it if it's yep. too intense for you. Make it to the side. Yep. I think too, I saw that you had a podcast on like clitoral anatomy, right? I think that's so important yes. when it comes to masturbation oh, yes. mm-hmm. uh, and finding pleasure in it because uh, so many people just think it's, you know, this little button on the outside and, and don't exactly. understand mm-hmm. that, especially if they're sensitive, right? That mm-hmm. you can stimulate it in other ways. Right. Exactly. 
And it's not the way people imagine, like if they don't actually see, because I even, I mean, I even was surprised when I saw what the full structure looked like internally as well. Like, wow, that's really what it looks like, (laughs) you know? Right. (laughs) Yeah. Um, yeah, I actually have a whole video and like where I like almost compare it to a penis because the video is like designed for yes. men. So like uh-huh. if yep. you touch her mm-hmm. labia this way, it feels relatively similar to when your balls are touched this way. <laughs> oh, that's a nice video. I think that would be so helpful yeah. for people. Yeah. You that on YouTube? That. That's on YouTube. Like my YouTube channel is just Molly, just Molly Carter, not okay. your best sexual self, but you can link to it from my website. Okay. But yeah, so that masturbation or that your masturbation is abnormal. That's right. That just gives us more hangups. I'm all about mm-hmm. trying to get rid of the hangups, right? Oh, um, absolutely. Oh, another. So, and then the next one is that people don't talk about the sex they're having. And there's a wonderful book that came out, I want to say in 2020. It's called Magnificent Sex. Klein Platz is the, is the author and another woman, Mahard, maybe. Anyway, they were sex researchers and, and they decided... The sex, uh, medical research in sex has always function has always focused on dysfunction here in the Western world, mm-hmm, right? It's sure, always about what's sure. not working. And yep, yep. Uh, so they said to do research on what does work. And they, when they, the, you know, I'm not, you can read the book or check out the research. It's if you're interested in, in the hows of what they did, but basically they found that the people, the general cohorts of people that had the best sex are didn't matter if they were young and old, didn't matter what race or color, didn't matter what sexual identity or gender identity they had. Um, but it ended up that there were specific groups that had better sex and they were LGBTQ. They were seniors, like, you know, people 65 and older. They were people with disabilities and they were people in the kink and BDSM community. Sure. Yep. And the interlinking factor is that all of them have sex that needs to be talked about. Okay. Yes. Communication. Right? They, right. If you're in, if you're in the kink community, you're talking about your, you know, you're talking about what's okay. What's not okay. You're talking about safe words. You're talking about what kind of scenes you want to do. Mm-hmm. If you're, if you're differently abled, you're, you have physical barriers that might stand in the way. If you're LGBTQ, you're having much more open discussions about the type of sex you're having about STDs, all of those things. And same with when you're, when you're old and you start having that sexual dysfunction, if you're mm-hmm. going to continue to have good sex, you're going to have to talk about either my erectile dysfunction or my achy knees or my bad back or whatever right. it is. Mm-hmm. And so what happens is they're, they're having conversations about sex and specifically the sex that they are having and that they want to have, and therefore they're having better sex. Um, so talking it, so again, hence my, my community, my communication work stuff, because it's <laughs> right. just, yes. it's so important. You can't have, you can't have repeatedly good sex. I mean, one in a million can have repeatedly good sex if they're not talking about, about what's working. Perfect what's sense. Yes. Yes. You, it's not possible. Yep. And along these same lines, it's my next myth I have written down here. And that's that men like certain things and women like certain things. True. Right. And you know, uh, that it's men with high libidos, not women mm-hmm. with high libidos, you know, that it's, right. um, and, and that's not, I even it's barely a generality, you know, like, right. it, and it's, it makes it really hard for, uh, well, in that situation, it makes it hard for women who, who are in those sexless marriages, you know, or, you know, or even if they like reach out to their friends, right. And they're like, oh, my yeah. husband doesn't have sex. And everyone's like, oh, I wish my husband didn't want to have sex all the time. You know, right. it's, it's hard for them to find support because we have these concepts of what it is. Yep. Yep. Uh, I have so many men that tell me they want more foreplay. 
mm. right? Like, like mm. what a, what an opposite of what we're taught. It's um, so true. Yeah. So, you know, just getting away from, I had a conversation just yesterday with someone who was asking about dominance and submission in, mm. in relationship and sure. all the, do- or all the, the dominance that you've worked with big burly men. No, 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 not at all. Like, not even remotely. Not even, that, that was exactly <laughs> what I said. I'm like, that's not even close. No, all no. my submissives are not little weak women. Like no. that is not what happens. <laughs> In fact, it often is the opposite. It is often the opposite, right? I think, I, I think especially with, with DNS, like it's so much about control, right? When, you, mm-hmm. when you're someone who has to have so much control in your life, sex can become an outlet. Let those guards down. Oh, absolutely. Yes. But I think, you know, those are just, those are what we think, right? That we, we mm-hmm. think that it's the men yep. that we think women want romance, men want sex, you know, right, and right. that's that we all want it all. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. Um, I just have a couple more here. Oh, this, we, we touched on that. It's hard for women to orgasm. Yeah. Um, it's not necessarily hard for women to orgasm. And I think when we, again, right, we, if, if we have that experience and we mm-hmm. become sexually active and we don't get off, then we just assume that we're one of those women that are hard to orgasm. And, right. and then we settle for that. Right. I want to say it's not hard for women to orgasm. It's longer for women to orgasm. Yeah. The, the gap. The orgasm yeah. gap. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. Like men can reach an orgasm in in three to seven minutes. It takes mm-hmm. on average, it takes women 20. Unless so, there's a sex toy. Sex toy can speed things up considerably. Sex, yep. Sex toys can speed things. And so can mutual masturbation. And so can mm-hmm. even just touching yourself when you're, you know, and, and communication of really telling your partner, like, you know, if you finger me when you're going down on me, it's going to make me come really quick, you know, right. <laughs> or right. whatever that thing is. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and taking the time to learn those things, right? To, to masturbate yes. different ways, to explore during sex. And uh, really, you know, I think a lot of, I think it's, it's a burden, right? This, this orgasm gap that we have both right. in length and you know, how many people achieve orgasms during sexual activity, but right. it's also, um, you know, recorded two different videos on this. And once for men, that's like, you need to get her off before you fuck her. Mm-hmm. And once for women of owning it, you need to be responsible too, right? Like right. don't, I have never, well, I won't say never since I've been 25, <laughs> I will say I have never relied on a man to get me off or a partner or even, you know, if, if it wasn't a man and, you know, I point in my life, I've done a lot of orgasm training and I'm can sure. orgasm relatively easily, but mm-hmm. there were, there were times in my life that I couldn't. And mm-hmm. like, it's not like, if, and it's easy for me to say in my marriage, right. In my monogamous marriage here that I wouldn't tolerate that. But I tell you what, if I ever had a sexual partner and like, they thought they finished and I wasn't done with that encounter, regardless of my orgasms that I've had or hadn't had, like, no, no, that's right. not if you want to sleep with me again, this isn't how right. this is going to work. Right. Right. There's uh, sex doesn't, I really focus on trying to uh, not use the word finish for, for when men ejaculate. Cause right. Exactly. That's the, right. That doesn't have to be the end of sex. Let's not use terms to define it as the end of sex. Right. Yeah. That's, that's a huge myth too, that that's the end. Once, once the man, a person with the penis ejaculates, then yeah. that's the end. Yep. And it doesn't have to be right. It doesn't have to no, be. No, not at um, all. And yeah, so this just that whole idea. And then men get this idea too, right? That if, well, it's hard to get women off. So if they, you right. know, they're not encouraged to enhance their skill because, oh, she's hard to get off or she doesn't right. work. Them, it's like an know? excuse. Oh, that's just hard. She just, yeah. it, she can't yeah. reach it. So, you know. 
Yeah. And that's detrimental across the board. You oh, know? absolutely. These things also speak using sex toys to learn your body. If you can't learn yep. your body with your own hands and your own, which is fine, try sex toys and try don't just toys. stop at one because yep. they don't all work for everyone. Yes. Yes. And they all work in different ways. Like, yeah, um, totally. I'd be so sad if I hadn't experienced my other sex toys or I just would have stopped with one. Right. Cause yeah, look at how much you'd miss out on. That's the thing that, yeah, that yeah. really just bothers me when I hear, you know, a man say, Oh, my wife is scared of sex toys. I'm like, yeah. Oh my gosh, they are missing out on so much. It so just makes much. me sad. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just thinking of what's by my bed right now. I have like four <laughs> toys that I use on the regulator that are all very different. Uh-huh. All, you know, I, I have my womanizer. I have the Crave. I haven't by heard Vesper. of that one. It's, it's a jewelry line, actually. Oh. Vesper is the, the Crave, Crave is the brand. Crave is okay. the brand. Vesper is what I have. They make rings and necklaces. And it's a, it's a long, like, wand. And it's real skinny. Mm. And you can wear it on a chain. Oh. My kids accidentally grabbed it one time and hit the button <laughs> and then vibrated. And they were like, what is that, mom? I was like, oh told him it was some like crystal thing (laughs) or yeah or it's a massager but probably doesn't look like a massager right (laughs) but so yeah so my husband's like you can't wear that anymore (laughs) (laughs) hilarious yeah so I have so that's very different it's very small it's very pinpointed right it's like the size of a like a half a pencil oh wow it's that small it's very small yeah interesting it's kind of like the zoomio though because it's really small at the tip and stuff yeah okay and and then I have my womanizer and then I have my wand and then I have a Viber King, which is a antique massager from like the fifties. Oh, um, wow. And it still works, right? <laughs> oh, yeah, it still works. It was, it was like still in the box when I, when I got it, you can, wow. they, hit the, they hit the porn scene. I've probably, I don't know. I've probably 10 years ago and that there was like okay. a couple of years in certain porn circles, particularly um, with female ejaculation there and. So my husband like found one on eBay. Um, oh, cool. And and it's it's kind of like it does its job well. <laughs> nice. Um, we'll That's nice. Yeah, um, I've never heard of that one, obviously, but, because it's probably yeah, hard to find. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so in that they're all very different, right? They all do very different yes. things. They oh, all totally. Yeah. Like some, you know, some are rough, some are gentle, some, you know, they're they're all different. And that's just talking about vibrators, let alone other types of sex toys that can, you know bring pleasure to the bedroom. Yeah. I feel like it just keeps exploding the sex toy market. Like it's just, they're making more and new things. And, you know, I interviewed recently the CEO of Mystery Vibe mm-hmm. and the stuff they've created too. It's just like mind blowing. Oh yeah. Yeah. The, have you heard of, have you seen the lioness? It's, uh, it's sure. its own company, but it's a smart vibrator and it actually collects data. Oh wow. So you like learn lioness. about okay. your orgasms and Whoa, um, seriously? So does it like measure strength or something? What, it, I think it... it measures, I'm assuming it measures muscle contraction, both in strength ah. and frequency. Oh, intriguing. Um, yeah. It's, uh, yeah. So they're, they're above my price point right now. But, <laughs> I um, can imagine. Yeah. Talk about getting nerdy about sex. That's like fantastic. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The, so in the, the sex tech's booming, right? Uh, and uh, must have been 2020's uh, CES, like the Consumer Electronics Show in Vegas. There was like a big controversy over a sex toy company had won and then had taken it back because it was a sex toy. And then, so it, oh. it had, and then they ended up getting it. And that was Laura DiCarlo. Laura DiCarlo. Ah, okay. But so that, that caught like there, there, there's a big, uh, there's a big sex tech boom. I laugh on LinkedIn because after, since that's happened, like I'm not the only one talking about sex on LinkedIn. <laughs> I love it. Yes, exactly. We need more and more talking about it. So it becomes less taboo. Yep. Yep. 
So I've got three more here, three more myths for you. One is that great sex happens with simultaneous orgasms. Yes. Okay. Good one. And simultaneous orgasms can be fun, but they're, they're hard to achieve if you don't have a lot of orgasm control. Right. And even when you do have a lot of orgasm control and can't achieve them, some like it's not always doesn't always work out the best way because you're both like in the throes, right? You're both right. True. In, enjoying the moment and not keeping pace. And, you know, so mm-hmm. again, these, this, you know, it's something that we see in the movies and, and therefore right. we think mm-hmm. that's how, how sex fireworks happen. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I'm like, you know, again, again, with only 20% of women being able to orgasm from penetration alone, like, right. Like you're, 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 you're setting your standards real high. Oh, um, absolutely. Yeah. So, uh, it's, you know, always get your, I, I try and tell people with vulvas, right? Get your orgasm first. It doesn't matter mm-hmm. if there hasn't been quote unquote sex, right? It doesn't. Right. <laughs> um, pleasure is pleasure. And uh, this is another one that's kind of, that kind of focuses on satisfaction and that the bigger the dick, the, the more satisfying it is. Right. That's a big myth. That's a big myth. That I, a lot of people I, believe. Yeah. A, a lot of men believe that. <laughs> so they fear it. They may fear yeah. it more than believe yeah. it even, you know? Um, I laugh. One of my biggest, um, one of my most popular videos is about penis size. Okay. And I, and men reach out to me a lot with concerns about their penis size. Sure. And um, I laugh because I tell them, like, if you look at my analytics for that video, it's mm. only men. Like women, women are not, no woman ever has reached out to me about her partner's small penis. Isn't that Um, interesting? Yeah. Often, if you have, if you're having this conversation with a group of women, there will almost always be one or two that are like, I prefer a smaller man. Yes. And you know, a lot of that stigma, right? Mm -hmm. And yes. And again, porn porn, doesn't help in this area. Yeah. Porn doesn't help. Right. I have never seen an average size penis in porn. Isn't that true? Isn't that weird? Why can't they just do that? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. to do that. (laughs) Right. It hurts men. And you want to know there's like significantly hurts black men because most black men are not hung like we think they are. Right. It's become this thing. Yeah. It's Mm -hmm. become this thing. And it's. Like I've talked to multiple black men who have well above average size penises that are like, no, no, no. And I'm like, dude, dude, what do you think you're going to do with another three inches? Like, right. It's exactly. It's, and, and for all of, you know, like there's big dick problems. Like if you, for, mm-hmm. for men who are well endowed, you know, when they're, they're on the upper end of that scale, it's, mm-hmm. it's, they have trouble finding part, like they have trouble not hurting their partner. They have, yes. they have trouble. They, they don't ever get oral sex because they're too oh, big. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, it's, uh, it's not, it's not all glorious on that side. And, you know, it's, I I repeat over and over again, the size of your penis has very little to do with giving your partner pleasure. Um, A very small, a micro penis does create its own challenges. Uh, You know, I'm not going to underplay that struggle, but they are, you know, they are over, you can overcome them. This comes back to what we define sex as, you know? Yes, yes, Um, absolutely. If I think of my top five sexual activities of my life, one of them has penetrate has like penetrative sex in it. Just one. right, you know. Right, the the right. other ones do not. Not be so closed minded. Yeah, yeah. So you know, again, if you know, if you're on, if you're in the, if you're a couple standard deviations away from normal on, on the low side or the high side, you it comes with its own unique challenges. But and they are overcomable, right? right? And yep, there are a lot of women out there who appreciate a man who is below average in size because. Mm-hmm. 
for various reasons, but, uh, but that, that's one that, you know, that hangs men up more than women. Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And, and then it can my, impact their performance because they're worried about it. Yeah. Yes. It impacts their performance because they're worried about it. And again, if you, if you're, if you're following the orgasm gap rule and getting her off before you have sex, before you have sex, you know, before you have intercourse, then, then what's the problem, you know? Right. Mm-hmm. So my last one for you today is that there's this one thing that there's this one thing that you can learn that's going to make you a great lover or going to make you give the best blowjob or, you know, uh, give oral sex on a, on a vulva better. Mm-hmm. I say Cosmo lied to us. Um, <laughs> right. You know, that, that there's this one magic skill or that even that there's 10 magic skills right. um, because there's not, there's, if there is one magic skill, it's being adventurous being willing to be open and explore. And if there is a second, it's enthusiasm, you know, being, right. um, being a participant, but there is no one skill that makes somebody a great lover there. And somebody might be a great lover with one person in one encounter and not with another in a different yeah. encounter. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, understanding that and again, being open to learning and, you know, not, not reading the one article on Cosmo and thinking that, you know, it all. Um, oh, exactly. Or the, or the exactly. one book, you know, a lot of people will get hang up on certain books that get real popular. And well, this person mm-hmm. said this and, you know, take, take what serves you, leave the rest, but find more that serves you, not just one thing. Oh, exactly. Don't, like we were saying earlier, don't stop learning. I mean, anything in your life that if you stop learning, you're dead in the water. And that applies across the board to just about everything in life. Right. Yeah. Esther Pearl, she's, you know, very popular sex therapist. I think she's a sex therapist, but she's written multiple books and mating in captivity is huge. It it was groundbreaking. Right. And, Mm. and she talks in there about that. We're so close in how we live and, and right. We don't have any, we lose the eroticism because we're Mm -hmm. so close. And a lot of people think that means that we need space. And sometimes Mm. that does mean we need space. Sometimes it does, right. You need to close the bathroom door and you need to go out with your friends and you need space away from each other. Yep. yep. But you can keep, you can work if you work, you can keep the eroticism alive if you work at it. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what a lot of people miss from Pearl is that creating this. Sure. If you live with your partner and you're gone for six weeks on a business trip and you come home, yes, things are going to be, you're going to be excited to see each other and it's going to be new. Right. But you can't always go away. Right. right? So you have to learn how to keep that eroticism alive while you're here together. And part of that is creating that little bit of space, you know, Mm -hmm. and and creating autonomy with each other within the relationship. But it's also about intentionally, it's really, that's what it comes down. It comes back Mm -hmm. down to intentionality, intentionally Mm -hmm. keeping that eroticism alive, intentionally Will it be willing to explore, right? That doesn't mean every time. Like, I'm not saying you have, right? Like you can have your standard. We have 15 minutes before bed and we're both tired. Let's just do a quickie. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But like having those times together to be open to exploration, to finding new ways to bring pleasure, uh, it's endless. And I think sometimes we get stuck in this, this routine or this mindset and, um, and this just isn't working for me anymore. So we must be at that point in our marriage, or I must be that point in my life, or she's just hard to get off, or, well, he has ED, and we just, you know, accept these things instead of working to find solutions, you know, ways around the barriers. Yeah. And, and, you know, don't accept your walls. You hit a wall. It doesn't mean that you're done in any area. Yeah. Yep. It just means you need to go a different direction. Yep. Yep. Or, yeah, yeah, right. Find something, stop pushing the wall, build a ladder, or... 
right. start walking around it, right? There's <laughs> maybe you need to walk 10 minutes to get around that wall, but you'll get there if right. you try. Yeah. What's so important is that I think so many people don't, especially people who may have a lower libido in a relationship. Um, or when it becomes non-existent, you know, and, and mm-hmm. that happens, libidos disappear, they can get right. back, right? It's, it's not mm-hmm. something that's, um, you know, I say it's, it's like an appetite. It's not necessarily gone. It's just dimmed. But sure. the, is that you can get it back and you can, you don't, people don't realize how impactful it is, right? It's not just about sex. Right. It's about feeling connected. It's about sharing something that you don't share with another human. It's, it's not just about getting your rocks off. And right. so often when, when you're the, when you're the person who's not wanting it, it's like, that's how you think of it. Oh, they're just a hornball. She's, right. she's, she's Randy all the time. Yeah, um, she's a deviant. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's not, it's like when, when we have a partner and we're not connected to them that way, we lose, like literally lose the chemicals that keep us pair bonded. Right. Um, right. And, uh, then we, you know, then we come, become roommates who sleep in the same bed. And right. um, again, that's, you know, that's hard to come back from. You can, it is. you can, but again, if you, if we can recognize these things when they happen and start kind of busting these myths that uh, really, really impact our mindset so much about, about sex and what our sex life should look like and how it should function. Yeah. I think that also plays into, say for an instance, there is a, you know, different sex drives in a couple, each partner is different. If one partner shames the other one for their higher or lower sex drive, that's that judgment, that judgmental, that is very damaging. It is. It is. And it it happens so often, right? Because because we're so sensitive about sex, because we don't talk about it and we have, Mm -hmm. you know, shame, guilt, some sort of feelings about it. uh, So we're extra defensive, right? We're extra defensive. And then, and then as humans, we, we make, make it worse, right? To lighten the situation, someone will make a joke about it. Right. So if you and your partner have issues having sex, don't ever joke about it in front of other people because the, oh, yeah. even if you're trying to make it light, like it's not, it's, it's a stab every time it happens. Yes, um, exactly. It's not like joking about someone's lasagna that failed. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. and, you know, people do that to make it light, to try to try and be lighthearted, but it's, it, and it's, you know, it's, it's sad for both people. I, you know, as someone, as, as a sex coach, I tend to talk to the people with the high libidos most often. Yeah, <laughs> um, sure, sure. But it's, you know, it is the person, a lot of times, you know, a lot of times we get this resentment and then we, we forget to assume the best in our partner, you know, right. and mm-hmm. we start thinking they're weaponizing sex and right. it's, it, it just creates a downward spiral. Oh, Absolutely. You know, some people can't get their libidos back and they can pair that up. Some, but they're, you know, and the, some people find alternative solutions, uh, but you have to be able to talk about it to, to figure things out. Right. Absolutely. And again, it, yeah, we're coming back to the communication piece. I mean, in almost everything we've talked about, that's like there. Yeah. Yeah. It's integral. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it is so important. And it's the hardest part. Like, mm-hmm. you know, it really been studying sex for 25 years. I coach people on how to do this and there are still... I, I laugh because like I struggled. I'm going to say it here, right? I struggle to say I enjoy anal sex, like, or like mm-hmm. my husband jokes, cause I won't ever have anal sex unless I'm drinking a little bit, you know, cause mm, sure. it lowers my inhibition because I, you know, I'm like, oh, I'm not supposed to like this, you know? Right. Um, right. And, uh, so, so I understand it's hard and, you know, mm-hmm. and sure. I'm someone who's extremely sex positive and talks about sex all the time. <laughs> right. Um, exactly. <laughs> and, you know, I remember before, 
before my husband and I became like, it fixed our, our sex communication. And I remember, I mean, I viscerally remember how, how it felt then that anxiety and, and that, mm. that fear of talking to him. Sure. Um, but yeah, you know, if we can, if we can, if we can learn how to do that, if we learn, you know, we set about, ba- you set boundaries, boundary setting is huge. Yeah. And respecting um, those boundaries and not yeah. pushing them in your partner is also, I mean, once you push something like that, it's really hard to yeah. ever get back. You know yeah. what I mean? And that's tough. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's hard. Well, relationships are so woven, right? And yes. Yeah. Just one. It's like a big web all around. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, it's hard to, it's hard to set the boundaries. Right. And then like, nobody's going to respect them when you first set them. And so having that boundary with yourself that you're willing to be like, you just, you just did that. And this is how it makes me feel. And I'm not okay with it. Like that's harder than setting the boundary, you know, but, but those are, those are, you know, that's, that's what I help people do. So, right. That makes sense. And it's very needed. I mean, and you know, every relationship is going to be different. It's just so, you know, and that's why I think it's great that people like you do this. I mean, you, you, it is individual. It needs to be individual because yeah. we're all individuals. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny. Cause I actually tried to do a course when I first started my sex coaching, I, I built a course mm. and mm. then right. It was like, it was so diverse. It was like, nope, nope. We have to we're, we're, we're separating this out because it, right. it's just, let alone our people aren't work comfortable being in the groups, quite as comfortable being in the group mm. setting. But sure, uh, yeah, sure. there's just, everybody's so different. So like people ask, you know, do you like, do you do the same thing? Is it like, no, no, there's a roadmap, you know, like we mm. clarify what you want. We set goals, we set, you know, but every, every, there is no, oh, you have low libido. This is your solution. Right. Oh, you know, you want to introduce kink into your relationship. This is your solution. It, it's right. It's, it's way more dynamic than that could ever be. And courses are great too. You can learn things from them as well, yeah. obviously. But yeah, it's not going to yes. be as tailored yeah. as one-on-one coaching, obviously. Yeah. And yeah, mine, I was doing like a live course, right? So mm, it was like, okay, sure. Yeah. You know, and especially just some of the people had some, well, I say by the time people get to me, a lot of time there's all sorts of layers. Yeah. You know? They wait and they wait, like you said, they wait and wait yeah. and wait. And then it's just this big ball of a problem. Yeah. So then you're, you're solving for years worth of things, you know, you're, right. you're, there's mm. one of the different, you know, people often ask the differences between sex coaching and sex therapy and mm. question. Well, therapy, therapy obviously deals in pathology a lot and, and sure. right. They label things and then talk about how the dysfunction occurred and, you know, how, how to handle it. Sex coaching well, we might deal a little bit in the past, like we're not here to talk about the past. We're here to set real goals and mm, take sure. actions to them, you gotcha. know? Yes. Um, okay. And sometimes that sometimes that's hard when, when it's years worth of layers, but it's, you know, mm. it's doable and it's just a little longer journey, but. Right. Yeah. It's kind of the difference of dealing with yeah, the issue or just, you know, figuring a way to move forward. Yeah. Like, uh, you know, and even if, even if you have a pathology, like, right, like, mm, like you sure. have erectile dysfunction. So, yep. so you have erectile dysfunction, what are we going to do about it? You know, right. yep. I'm not here to, you know, you know, people with deviant, you know, who, who again, feel that they have deviant behavior. And I don't, I don't, again, as long as you're safe, sane and consensual, I'm not here to judge what you're doing. I'm here to help you build the sex life you want to build. Right. Um, exactly. So, and then on your website, you have some freebies, you have an ebook and print printables, correct? Oh, yes. Yeah. I have quite a few freebies. I have, uh, I have an erotica book for your erotica readers there. Nice. It's, uh, mostly uh, uh, power exchange. It's a collection of short stories. Okay. And I have, I have a checklist, a lever's checklist. So like a yes, no, maybe list. It's a good communication skill. If you're, 
open with your partner and, and willing to, you know, you're already having good sex, it can be a way to explore new areas. You each take one and yes, I'm interested. No, I'm not. Maybe I'm interested and then can compare some lists. Nice. The end of that, that printout actually has, is what a lot of people find most helpful more than the checklist. And it's just kind of like, I want, I would like to be touched more here, or this is how I like to be hit on type things, you know? Sure. Um, and uh, yeah, there's some cheat sheets. There's a blowjob cheat sheet and female ejaculation cheat sheet. And nice. um, I would assume probably one for oral sex for one women, but I might not have that one ready yet. But yes, there's, there's a freebies tab in my menu bar and it, it has all sorts of goodies there for you. That's fantastic. And those are great tools for people that it's tangible, you know, and yeah. it's something you can refer back to and be like, okay, what, what, it, what is it that he or she said? And then you can go back and look at it. Yeah. Oh yeah. Right. And that's like, I have these long videos and long blog articles on them, you know, for, for the more in depth. But if you're like, need something in your, you know, something like you said, tangible, that's like, what are those three things I should be trying to do again? (laughs) Exactly. Yes. And also, especially if you're nervous about that, you know, have something to refer back to and be like, okay, yeah, that's what it was. That's what I want to focus on. Cause your nerves are going to play a role, especially when you're all of a sudden trying something new together. Right. You look at that paper and be like, yes, that's what I'm going to focus on. Yep. That's fantastic. And I think that's awesome that you also write erotica because I originally found you because you write for Frolic Me, Mm -hmm. which is the ethical porn site. And I just started writing for them as well. My story isn't live yet, but so that's really awesome. How, how did you come about to finding Frolic Me and starting to write for them? I'm curious other people's journey. Yeah. So I, I've known about Frolic Me for a while but I didn't write for them. Right. I think I did maybe a promo when I was uh, under my pseudonym for them on my blog. Um, And then, so I've been a sex blogger for 10 years and I was Mm -hmm. under a pseudonym until 2018 um, when I rebranded under my own name. And then I was still kind of in the closet though. And so uh, January of 2021, I came out to like Facebook friends and family. And like, this is my professional writer regardless, like that's my job as well as what I do here was like, I know you all know I write, but I also write about (laughs) sex and intimacy. And that was really scary. Oh Um, yeah. But that was also, it's been a huge blessing, right? It's been a huge blessing. I'm so glad I did. I did not get kicked off of any, any boards. I'm still on the PTO. (laughs) (laughs) That's good. Uh, You know, other than my grandmother giving me, you know, tisking her finger at me, I did not get any, (laughs) um, no backlash, no backlash. And, uh, you know, really it's, I've had a lot of people in my local community reach out when things, you know, about questions they've never, they've been afraid to ask or, sure, you know, sure. so, yeah. but so when I started doing that, I was trying to rebrand under my own name and, um, I start, I wrote a confession piece for Frolic Me. Oh, okay. And, and their confessions, like if you, if you, you can, I don't know if they still do this, but you could turn in a confession and if it got published, you got a, free, a year's worth of free Oh, okay. Uh, like you got a year's membership. Sure. Um, and uh, so once Tabitha accepted that, I had pitched her a couple articles. And so I started, so I wrote a couple articles and then she asked if I'd be interested in writing stories for their, their films. Sure. Um, so now I do both right, a little that's bit. Awesome. I love their films. Like, this is pretty new to me. I didn't even know about it until I interviewed Tabitha. So I just think they're just beautiful and sensual, just very amazing. I'm just, it's an experience. And it is an experience. Yeah, Um, it's just wonderful. Yeah, I definitely appreciate them. 
And I, I think they do good work. And I think they, they, you know, they do well, their sex education within their, their mm-hmm. articles. And I love, I love that they have like, they have film and then you can read a story that correlates yes. with the film. Then you can listen to an audio of the court. Like, oh, I, I, I just, know. I think that, I think they do what they do well. So multifaceted. I mean, they're just anything from nonfiction to fiction to, to film. I mean, it's just yeah. tools, things to learn from. It's just, it's great. I just, yeah. I'm really impressed. <laughs> Yeah, me too. Me too. Especially in today's age when it's like, right, I'm I'm 41 to age to age myself. Like when mm. my first porns were, you know, videos that I kept hit under my mattress, um, right? <laughs> which is a lot different than the porn experience today, right? It's like yeah. short snippets. It's like right to it. So I like, mm-hmm. I like what they do there in like, they, you use the right word, right? They make it an experience. It's not just they like, do. here's some sex, rub yourself off, you know? Right. The eroticism is high. The sensuality is high. And it's just, they make it so full of feeling, which I think yeah. is just, it's a skill. They have a definite yep. skill. <laughs> one of the, the first, it was the first erotica story I wrote for them based on one of their videos. And the couple in the video are like a couple in real life. And mm, um, nice. it was like, it was just like, oh, oh, well, that's why it looks like they're, they're, they're really like know each other and know what they're doing. That's why she's having real orgasms. You know? Right, right. Exactly. Because it is real. <laughs> I appreciate real orgasms in, in porn. And I appreciate women not yes. getting off in five minutes in porn. Yes. Um, so they do do a very good job with, with a realistic expectation of what pleasure can look like. What's your favorite topic to write about if you're writing erotica? Oh, I like threesomes. I like, uh-huh. uh, I, that's my, right? I like threesomes in general. Oh, it's so <laughs> popular. You know, and um, on, on my podcast, that's one of the most popular episodes usually is threesome podcast stories. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And I, I've had a lot of phenomenal threesomes in my life. So I think they, they're just easy for me to write, right? I can, oh, sure. I can mm-hmm. like picture them, and, but they're my favorite. And then I, I'm all over the place. I tend to not be very vanilla in my erotica. It tends to, if it's not threesome porn, then it tends to be, um, have some elements of like a power exchange or something in it. Sure, um, sure. But yeah, don't erotica writing is a miss. I like get on kicks where I'm like all over it. And then I'm like, oh, and go six, seven months without it, you know? Sure, sure. I think that's cool though, that you you do so many different areas. You don't, you're not just limited to sex coaching. You're, you're yeah. you know, you're writing nonfiction, you're writing fiction, you're coaching, you're, you're answering reader questions. I thought it was interesting too, when I was looking at some of your titles on your blog, I have to ask you this one because I don't know what it is. Okay. Recently you wrote about the frenulum and the forchet. I don't know. Yeah. I've never even heard of that word in my life. What is it? Yeah. So it's the same tissue base in men and women, but it's located in a different things, right? In utero, we all, so in utero, everybody, like the initial sex organ is, was what ounds up as the clitoris. And when the testosterone, mm-hmm. the first testosterone wave happens in utero, make, grows the clitoris into, into penile structure. So sure. we're made of, it's basically the same pieces kind of rearranged. Exactly. Very yes. fundamentally speaking. People, <laughs> um, a lot of, some people don't know that, but yes, yes I love that uh, you're saying that now because some people don't realize that. Yeah. <laughs> so, so it's the same sets of tissue on men or on people with a penis. It's normally, it's found um, if he's circumcised, it's right underneath where that circumcision scar is or about where that circumcision scar is. Okay. If he is not circumcised, it is where the foreskin gathers on the underside of the penis and the penis skin changes color. So it's like oh, the, that okay. area and like where the foreskin gathers. And so 
it's a fleshy, even, even in a lot of men who are circumcised, sometimes there's, it's still fleshy there, right? There, it's a very sensitive area. And mm. on women, it is at the base of, so if you're like looking at the vulva, it's at the bottom of the vagina. So it's okay. like where your lips meet at the bottom, like before you'd go down to the taint. Okay. And uh, it's not necessarily uh, orgasmic pleasure, mm. right? Okay. Um, some people it is. I just had a, I just got an email from a reader last week who she used that in a blowjob and uh, had very stellar results quickly. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's just a really good pleasure zone that feels good. And you can, you know, if, if you're having hand sex, you can like massage that area, like, do, mm. you know, like do circles, do like pinches on men or women, you know, the same with if you're, if you're, you know, using your mouth, you can kiss it, maybe suck that if there's enough, if he's un- uncut, you can like maybe pull that skin into your mouth a little, rub it okay. back and forth. Sure. Um, yeah. So it's, it's just like, you know, it's a, it's, it's an area that's sensitive that a lot of people, if they're not taking the time to explore their body and their partners may not have played with before. Sure. sure. When I saw that, I'm like, okay, I have no clue what that could possibly even be. I didn't even know how to say it. Yeah. <laughs> Horrible. So I say freshetta. That very well could be wrong. <laughs> it sounds like bruschetta. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, oh, it's kind of like a, a food thing. Like, <laughs> it's hilarious. I just was quickly looking through some of your posts on Twitter, and I just you have such a great wealth of knowledge. Like, okay, so it's some of the things that I I was intrigued. I'm like, these are really interesting topics. Tips for outside sex. The consequences of a sexless marriage. Ten easy and fun ways to initiate sex tonight. Benefits of daily sex. These are great topics for people. So I just wanted to like highlight some of that so that people know, I mean, you've been writing for this long. You have great things to say. You've had, it's been a great talk. I I think it's wonderful what you do. It's awesome. (laughs) Thank you. I appreciate it. I try and write. In our, in our talk, you know, a lot of times I might talk about BDSM. I actually mm-hmm. think BDSM has a lot of great principles that can be applied to a vanilla relationship. Sure. Um, yep. Right. I even, even just like safe words. I, you know, I laugh when people talk about safe words because I, I've safe worded twice in my relationship with my husband and neither uh, one had anything to do with sex. Okay. Sure. Right? Like, like those boundaries were set up because of sex. But right. Oh, there were like, yeah, there were, there's been two times in, in our relationship when like, I was like, we need to stop and we need to stop now. And neither one had to do with sex. And I was so grateful. I had those tools in place. What an you interesting know? concept. I have never yeah. heard anybody say that before. Yeah. I don't know if anybody else, I mean, I'm sure other people have done that. Right. But like, and mm-hmm. what once was weird, he was tickling me, right. And uh, sexual tickling, but he was tickling me and I was losing control. Right. right. Uh, and that was, so, so I, 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 I say for it then. And once we are in an argument, and a line was crossed and, and I called red and that, that we paused and like, we both knew, right. As soon as I said it, it was like, okay, okay, yeah. what's going on? Let's check right. in. You mm-hmm. know, it's just a great tool that I wouldn't have had in my toolbox if it wasn't, if it wasn't for the kink community. Yeah. Um, but yes, oh, yeah. I was bringing the BDSM because much of what I talk about is not kinky, right. It is not anal sex. I mean, there's, I talk about that, mm-hmm. but not that anal sex is kinky, but you know what I mean? It's not to some people. It's probably kinky. Yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, I try and hit people in all levels of relationship and, and sexual space. So yeah. mm-hmm. that, uh, you know, there's at least something for everybody. Who, yeah, who's I, looking. Think, I think it's also just a, a viewpoint of having respect for people for where they are and mm-hmm. not condemning them, not shaming them, not making them feel guilty or like a deviant or are the opposite. Yeah. You know, we need respect for each other. That's also communication and respect. I think those are like the the big things that we need to have going on. Well, and right, I say in my community, 
communication course that I ran, I, I said, right, like intimate communication, you need to be an adult. Yeah. Like this is yeah. adult communication yeah. and you need to set our, and it's funny because when it comes to sex, a lot of times we have those childlike responses because we're triggered or we're fearful, right? So yes. we, we jump yes. to defense quick and, and we do these hurtful things quick and that, mm-hmm. we, you know, we need to really, when it comes to sex, we need to act like, an, we need to act like adults and yep. Yep. in all those senses, right? We need to own it. We need to be accountable. We need to be honest and not hurtful. And um, those are things that are hard to do when we have bad habits. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Tell me, here's just real quick. Tell me a couple of your ideas that you had for initiating sex. What are from that article? Yeah. So, for the, so a lot of times in, as a general rule, women oftentimes have trouble initiating sex. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, there's, you can do things like have, like, like if you really struggle, right. You are interested in sex and you don't, you're not comfortable coming on to your partner, you guys can have like a code word or like a signal mm-hmm. and you could use that signal or code word to let your partner know that you're open. Right. Sure. Mm-hmm. Cause one of the, yep. one of the big fears for people who, who are not comfortable or haven't had a lot of experience initiating sex is what if my partner doesn't want to have sex and then I'm going to feel rejected. Right. So one of the solutions to that is to have, you know, it can be something funny, like, or something, you know, a little off the wall, that you can drop in conversation at dinner if you need to, you know, sure. mm-hmm. that will, will bring them, will bring your partner's attention to it. Uh, fun factory. I reviewed a, I'm looking for it. Like it should be next to me, but it's not um, <laughs> a fun factory that has a blow and glow. It's a, it's a blow job kit. One of the things that it comes with is a scrunchie and they mm. use that as an indicator. So if you're oh. interested in sex and you, you again, feel that you, you know, are not confident enough yet to tell your partner when they see you wearing that scrunchie, whether it's on your wrist or in your hair, they recommend the wrist. So it's visible, right? Like sometimes our partners aren't real observant about what's going on with our hair. (laughs) Right. And it might be behind your head. Yeah. (laughs) Right. That your part that that would indicate that you're interested in play. Interesting. So, so those type of indicators I think can be great for people who really lack confidence. Oh yeah. Uh, I will say that in, I surveyed probably 200 men about the best way that they would like their partner to initiate sex. And much, really much to my surprise, even the number one way was to say, hey, you want to have sex? That simple, huh? (laughs) That simple, right? We complicate it. But like most men, no, maybe not most women, but most men said that they they would just like their partner to to say, hey, you want to have sex? And, you know, if you're concerned that feel good or might be the time, you can always be like, hey, do you want to have sex tonight or tomorrow morning? If those things, you know, if that's like, oh God, I could never do that. Uh, you can you can uh, do it via text message. That can be a little easier. Start the flirting process via text messaging. Sure. If you are not used to initiating, if you are in a relationship and you've been in it for a little while and you haven't initiated sex, if you're not real straightforward, your partner might not know what's going on. I hear that a sure. lot too. Oh right? yeah. But I like, oh, that. I tried and he didn't, he didn't respond. And he's like, she came and put her hand on my shoulder. Right. <laughs> not a mind yeah. reader here. Yeah. Yeah. So especially if they're not used to you initiating sex. So, you know, and understand if somebody says no, they're not saying no to you. They're just saying no, that that's not the experience I want right now. Right. They might, there are times that our partners you know, not be the opportune time. They had a bad day at work. They have a headache, whatever it is. So don't, you know, don't take those things bad if they happen or if they're saying like, now's not the right time. How about later? But I will say if you have, if you are, if your partner, you know how your partner has a high libido and you 
or higher libido and you don't ever initiate sex and you come onto them pretty strong, there's a, especially if they have a penis, there's a good chance that's going to be enough to start their arousal process. (laughs) Sure. Yep. You know, there's easy things like, you know, being seductive, right? Like, like wearing something provocative in front Mm -hmm. of your partner or again, you know, don't just lay your hands on their thigh, like rub their thigh, move towards their groin, you know, be a little more forthcoming because intentional. um, Yeah. Yeah. A lot of the men I talk to don't pick up on signals, right. Which makes me Mm. feel much more confident about all those boys that I thought I was flirting with in high school Um, (laughs) because they just don't, they just don't often realize it. Yeah. Yeah. They're in a different headspace often. Yeah. 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 Oh, those are great. Thank you so much. I have had so much fun talking to you. I mean, Me too. It's been great. I mean, I think I could keep talking to you for a super long time. Yeah. It's just amazing. <laughs> you have such a wealth of knowledge. And I'm just really excited that you came and talked with me. Is there anything else that you would like to touch on or mention before we end our chat? You know, I just people to know that regardless of what, what has happened in your past, you can have a good sex life. That might even mean it's just a sex life with yourself. It might right. mean it's sex life with other people. It might mean it's your partner. It might mean it's strangers, like who knows, but that, that even if you have found yourself in a slump, even if you know that, that good sex is out there. And it, again, a lot of what we think we know about sex, we need to set aside. Even, even myself, I often come with my own biases as, as doing what I've done for years. You know, I had an email a couple last month from person who wanted to spice things up in their 25 year marriage. So they were going to start oral sex. Okay. And it like blew my mind because right. We, we all come with our own biases. I was just like, what do you mean? You've been married for 25 start. years. And yeah. You've never given, wow. had oral sex, but you know, uh, but that's what happens. And right. uh, you know, mm-hmm. for uh, so it's, it's, it doesn't matter where you're at. It's okay. And yep. it can get better, whether it's good now, whether it's phenomenal now, or whether it's mediocre and kind of meh, you know, it can, right. sex is a skill and it can be learned. And it's exciting, right? When you first start mm-hmm. and you start, you know, especially if sex has been rather bland, which happens a lot. Talk to a lot of couples who have saved themselves for marriage. I don't sure. like using that term, but have, you know, right. remained mm-hmm. virginal until they're married. Mm-hmm. And then things aren't nearly as exciting as they expected them to be. Right. Because, right. Of course they're not. You have two people with no experience. Exactly. Um, tr- you know, it's, it's, so I want, just want people to know that if that seems like something that you've experienced or, you know, you're with a new partner and you want it to work, but it's just kind of, you know, as long as both people are willing, those things can be enhanced and lots of people are in that situation. And, um, you know, sex coaching is obviously a way to help, but like, right. Like, like you said, I, there's all of my information out there. There's, and there's a thousand other people like me, right. There's information out there. Just find what resonates with you and start, start exploring. That's, that's the most important is just start being open to the pleasure that you can create. Because again, you know, think of my top sexual, my favorite, you know, my favorite real life experiences that, that I rub one down to, and very few of them fit a traditional definition of sex. So um, if you want to have great sex, it's not going to look like what you, what a lot of people think it's going to look like. Yep. Yep. I think that's the most important takeaway, you know, is that great sex is possible at any age and in any condition. But it's, you have to be open to find what it's going to, you know, 
my tagline on my website is discover and create because mm-hmm. that discovery process is part of it, right? You might you might think you really resonate towards something and then you experience it and you're like, oh, oh, that that belt didn't feel nearly as good as I thought it was going to. Right. Yes. And some of that stuff also means that I think that some of it is meant to stay in your fantasy life. Not everything that you fantasize about needs to be in real life either. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Right. Like there should be like two bucket lists there, right? Like the, this is things I really don't, you know, that gangbang sounds really fun in my mind, but (laughs) you know, my vagina hurts when it's all said and done, (laughs) Um, you know, and compared to the, I want to, you know, what, you know, there, there are things like have fantasies that are, that you, you do want to do that you can, that Mm -hmm. are realistic and safe, sane and consensual. And yeah, it's real important to understand that, you know, a lot of people, people who worry that they have deviant thoughts, right. We'll have, we'll, we'll go down a rabbit hole and then they'll be like, oh my goodness, I'm this person. Like, no, you're not. No. Right. Exactly. And that it is so common to have fantasies that people may be ashamed of, Yeah. but everyone has them. And this is yes. not something that makes you a deviant because you have them. Right. Things. And, and like from Right. From my perspective, both as a sex, you know, a sex educator and I worked in mental health in in Mm. my previous life. Right. Like as long as you're hitting those safe, sane and consensual points in your real life. Right. Like our fantasy world is serves various purposes, just like our dreams do. You know, exactly. it helps us. And for some people, it helps us cope with trauma. It helps us, you know, whatever it's what your, your reality is what's important. Right. And how, and how you, how you do things, because again, you know, what, what, uh, yeah. Fantasies can often go down rabbit holes and that's, yeah. And to be respectful, it's, it's your right to share what you want when you want with who you want. Yes. Yes. And to be respectful of that. Yeah. And, and you write, yeah, as much as I talk about communication, that's a two-way street. And when one person, and I do want to say one, you know, one, one of the things about sex coaching is people always think they have to come as a couple and that's mm, not the case. Sure. Um, okay. I mean, people, yeah. couples can come and that's great. I often think that results can happen more effectively when it's one person, depending on the sure, couple and I what's going on. Mm-hmm. Right. Cause when it's hard to motivate two people for change, it's hard to sit in a coaching session sometimes with two people because we get into, our relationship rules sometimes a little too much, but sure. um, like one person can change a relationship, but you also right in that boundary setting, you, if, if you have some toxic elements into your relationship, which lots of us do. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you're, if you, you know, if you're out there, you're not alone. Lots of us have toxic aspects to our intimate relationships. You know, this is not, I'm going to do all these things and I'm going to communicate better and I'm still going to be a whipping post type thing. Like a lot of this is a lot of the boundary setting is self boundary setting Mm -hmm. and, you know, and learning to learning to learning to teach people how to communicate appropriately with you, what's okay and what's not okay. And those are very brave things to do and they can be very scary, but you know, it is, it is possible. And, but I also want to say, right, this isn't something that you do and, and just let your partner kind of whip you around, you know, that's right, not, exactly. yeah, that, yeah. that's not, that's not okay. No, exactly. Exactly. Well, thank you so much. This has been so amazing. I am excited to put this interview out there. This has just been great. Really enjoyed talking with you and you have great information for everybody. Tips, just awesome. So thank you so much for coming on my podcast. Yes. Thank you for inviting me. I had a wonderful time.
Well, you can come back anytime. We can talk again. (laughs) Awesome. Yay. (laughs) Well, thank you. And you have an amazing day. You too. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to this podcast episode. I hope you enjoyed the story and my discussion with Molly. I will put all of Molly's links down in the podcast notes so that you can easily access all of her stuff. You can seek her out for help. You can read her advice. She has years and years of experience to share about sex, to help you have better sex, be your best sexual self create the sex life you want. And Molly can help you do that. And don't forget, she's got a blog, Your Best Sexual Self. She's on YouTube as Molly Carter. And she has a checklist, a lover's checklist, and help you talk to your partner, making it easier than ever and a seven day challenge that you can join at yourbestsexualself.com. Okay, and I will put my links down in the podcast notes as well so that you can easily access all of mine. And my books are on Amazon, as are my audiobooks. So check it all out. And I want to thank you for being a part of this podcast episode. Please follow my podcast. Leave me a rating and review. I would love to hear your thoughts. Thank you so much. And I hope you have an amazing, sexy fucking day. Love you. Ready for some spring cleaning of your beard and groin hairs? Try out Manscaped products where you can get 20% off with my new code RUIN, R-U-A-N, to get 20% off and free shipping. In order to get the discount, use the promo code RUIN, R-U-A-N, to do that spring cleaning to get yourself ready for sexy times. Heat up your spring with a new shave, a new trim. Perhaps try going there. Get more skin smacks in the bedroom, if you know what I mean.